shut up and sit down. Hey Siri, what is an expert? As a noun, it means a person who has a comprehensive and authoritative knowledge of or skill in a particular area. <laughs> okay, that's clearly not us. But we're not idiots either. Hmm. Arguable. <laughs> okay, fair. How about not complete idiots? We're a couple of guys who have been friends for 25 years who happen to disagree on a lot of things. This is our podcast, where we try to make sense of those things and try to understand the other's perspective. These are our inexpert opinions. Shut up and sit down. There it is. Did it. Did it. Did it. Did it. I'm speaking mainly about the wolf dog upstairs that... Now I can hear him. Yeah, you can I hear him. a second ago. Yeah. My apologies. Apologize in advance for this podcast, which is going to... Oh, yeah. There he is. Uh-huh. Yep. Which will contain the yipping, howling... Of a demon dog. Demon dog upstairs. He's actually not a demon dog. He's an absolute idiot. Is he feeling better after our discussion yesterday? Seems that way. He's fired up. He's wired up. He's tore up from the floor up. <sighs> tore up from the floor up. <laughs> He's fired up today. Ready to go. Good. Unlike me. Uh, you're, you're not. You're you're struggling. I haven't been sleeping all that great as of as of late. As of late. Anxiety, Mike. Ooh, that's not a fun one to deal with. It's not been there, one. dude. It's not a fun one. What's ang- what is your anxiety cause? Wait for Ooh. it. Don't your help not that's going to just fucking make him do it more. Um There's a number of things. Work <laughs> There's a number. Mike, where do I start? The dog <laughs> The dog is supposed to alleviate anxiety. Alleviate. That's what I said. Or alleviate, like the drug. It's supposed to cover the pain. Alleviate. Um, yeah, you're right. Fuck. Jesus, I'm not awake here, apparently, either, because that sounded <laughs> right to me when it came out. <laughs> I, think I, I think I shared with you the opioid epidemic. You did? Um, yeah, that's that's caused anxiety. Why? are you? Do you have an... Are you going through an opioid crisis right now that I don't know about? <laughs> no, no. Why I, is why is the opioid epidemic causing you anxiety? This thing has been going on for some time. Well, I only I just watched Dope Sick, and so I'm. It's all new to me. It's all. But why is it why is it affecting you? Do you know someone with an opioid problem? Well, I I do I do in fact okay. Um, one of one of my dear friends whom whom I won't mention just for the sake of privacy has gone through the opioid addiction, lost nearly everything, you know, wife, all that stuff, um, job, blah, blah, blah. But to a large extent, I always thought the I thought the opioid addiction was largely like other addictions where it was kind of like, I'm not going to sit here and dismiss or diminish its severity, but I thought it was kind of a, Hey, this is your issue. Go figure out how to deal with it kind of thing. 
Mm-hmm. And after watching Dope Sick and reading a ton over the last four weeks while watching it, yeah, it's like it's no it's no fault of any of these people. It's mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's doctors prescribing it and then they get some kind of kickback, right? Correct. Correct. Yeah. And and they they just they completely they completely fucked a lot. Well, not all, but a lot of people. I mean, I was reading last night after I told you that after after I drew the parallel to Hitler and the Jews, right? I, yeah, I said you might some, want to revisit that. I said something to the effect of like this this Richard Sackler fella who was the president of Purdue Pharma during this, well, took over presidency, basically had the board vote on him to become president in the midst of it because he was building such high profits and and and, and driving the, the ship. He felt like he needed to be president and take it over from his, his dad's brother. But I had made the claim last night on the phone that what he did the fact that he's basking in the sun down in Florida right now because he received no criminal repercussions, no monetary repercussions, the family got a slap on the wrist for what took place throughout this time period. Mm-hmm. I, I basically said that. Well, they've got they've haven't they been sued like to Kingdom coming back eight hundred times, but. All of those went, fell under the water. All, all those are gone. Not they. None of them actually took place because when you file Chapter Eleven in America, it protects you from civil su- or from from any sort of liability in suits. So all of these suits oh, went went away when they filed bankruptcy. So that's one of the big big issues. Oh, I thought they. Okay. No, I thought they, they had to find some way to go after them specifically. The corporation ended up having to t- pay four and a half billion, but I don't think that that's what the corporation actually paid out. But the family itself lost nothing. Really? Yeah. Um, hmm. and, and again, no criminal. But I likened it to basically saying, I said something to the effect of like, that would be the equivalent of 1945. We go, hey, Adolf cool with what you've been doing just make sure the nazi party like has pays in some money you go over here and just hang out you're fine just nothing don't worry about it right yeah uh and i i started looking into it Eight hundred fifty thousand is a rough estimate they think it's higher over death or overdose deaths alone from 1999 to 2019 over the last mm-hmm. 20 years right 800 that's a million fucking people that's that doesn't take into consideration people that then became addicted to heroin, which a lot that happens a lot and die. Yeah, people when they can't get the opioids, they jump to heroin, right? Right, right. Some of the full the old black tar age. Doesn't it doesn't take into consideration the Some heavy lives, age. <laughs> the lives lost from the standpoint of like people that didn't overdose but lost everything, the families, mm-hmm. like I mean, you're talking millions and tens of millions of people. Yeah. And he's sitting down in Florida on the beach doing whatever he wants to do with 13 billion fucking dollars in his pocket. Yeah. That's what causes me anxiety is. I want to I like I want to go into full on Dexter mode and fucking just (laughs) it's it's that's unbelievable. 
it is yeah. it has fundamentally made me rethink how capitalism and America and the legal system and all of these things that we've held so high for so long. I, I totally I see shit like this and it's like I, I get why I get why the 25 year olds hate capitalism. I get why 25 year olds think America is completely fucked. But it could happen in a, I mean, it really could happen anywhere though, right? Arguably. I mean, I understand the reason they're doing it is to make money. Happen anywhere. But they had to get all of these, well, this, I'm just, this is just a free thought here. So I haven't really thought through this process, but you could arguably say that while they were the head of the problem, it wasn't just them. They were able to convince an, an massive group of physicians mm-hmm. to continue continually prescribe these drugs, knowing that this patient or their patient rather probably didn't need them or maybe the amount or, or milligram dosage they were prescribing was dangerous, probably outside the realm of like true need for whatever they were prescribing it for mainly to get a kickback or prescribing it in some cases where maybe some other option, maybe less severe long-term option was, was available. So it's what, what, well, and I'm not discrediting what you're saying. I think these, the Sackler family and specifically the dude in charge, true piece of shit. We, if you know, he was on fire, I wouldn't piss on him to put him out, but all of these physicians are also need to carry some version of this responsibility too, right? They were just as much involved. I don't think so. I I think there well, were the Sackler think, family wasn't the one writing the scripts. No, but I think that I think that you are wrong in the when, when you say that they got kickbacks. I don't I don't think there there were probably some in very high up positions like on on medical boards and things. Maybe I don't know, but. As far as as far as I've read and as far as this documentary or not documentary, this series conveys, these are just good doctors that think they're taking care of their patients. And so they were being right lied by to patient. by Purdue Pharma. Oh, that's absolutely truthful. OK, like, Purdue so Pharma, these doctors Purdue actually Pharma, didn't know. Correct. The vast okay. majority of them didn't know the Purdue Purdue Pharma. Like that's that's what's so wild is they were putting they they bribed the FDA. They were working in cahoots with the the FDA was take the head of the FDA was taking kickbacks. At one point in time, the, oh, there was okay. a high up official in the FDA that was working on the label language for OxyContin to make sure that it came across as non-addictive. And he he slapped the label on it citing this study that wasn't even a study. It was this five sentence note letter to the editor in in an American science journal from like the 1970s that some doctor wrote. And Uh he cited this as a study and put it on the label as it only becomes addictive to less than 1% of the population. He put that on the label while being very high up in the FDA and then left the FDA and went and worked for Purdue Pharma as one of their highest up fucking people and was paid $400,000 a year and a bunch of stock and this, that, and the other. Yeah. That happened all the time. There were 
there were lobbyists, there were government officials that were I doing things lobbyists. for fucking Purdue Pharma. And then when they saw their light burning out in the position that they were in, they went and worked for Purdue Pharma. Ah. There's there's a quote. There's a quote from the one of the lawyers at Purdue Pharma toward the end of the series. And I don't think this is giving anything away where they start to see the axe coming down and start mm-hmm. to recognize that they're 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 dead to rights, that the case that's being built against them. And Robert Sackler sitting there like, okay, we'll go ahead and we'll pay him off and we'll do this and we'll do that. And the guy's like, the, the lawyer says something to the effect of, no, 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 no. What, what you have to understand, Robert, is these three lawyers that are that are building this case, they have no reason whatsoever to leave what they're doing. They do not want to come work for Purdue Pharma. They cannot be bought. And hmm. it's and you just see Robert Sackler like, holy fuck, really? Like, we're actually going to get fucked here. We're, we're going to have mm-hmm. to shut down operations, basically. Like they, they, the ties, like everything they, they, that's why I say it's so fucking disgusting because they, these doctors, most everybody that was involved in this had no fucking clue outside of the people that worked directly within the company, like the salespeople, fuck them because all of them knew that they were, they were, they were pushing this poison out into the streets, all of them, all of them. And they were just get making money hand over fist list, living these really lavish lifestyles. And so, and so they kept doing it. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's, it's wild. Like it's wild. And I, so I don't know if it could happen anywhere else because in Singapore, you do that, you're going to get hung. And so is your family. And like, if you, I mean, bring, that's an extreme. We don't necessarily want that. Here, I mean, but. you, you, there are people, <laughs> there are people in Singapore that are being, that, that are, that have been jailed for marijuana offenses, like, like serious jail time. Like, yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah. But, but so do they but still curb, make, it's curb drug use like crazy in Singapore. Right. So do they still, do they still make Oxycontin or is that, is it, yep. They still, I just, so how? I mean, is it just, is, is it like, is the regulation around it substantially like better? It's now made by some company, Purdue Pharma spun off into Noah Pharmaceuticals. They're still the same company effectively. There are a lot of the same people involved within the company, the board and whatnot. Um, they are only allowed to prescribe it for severe pain, which Oh, there's, there's something, dude. This is, this is, this is true from the series. You know, the pain scale that you see when you go into the doctor, like what's your, what's your pain on a scale of one to 10? Yeah. Like one being the least 10 being the most, whatever. Yeah. Created by Purdue Pharma and Robert Sackler. Are you serious? That was never, I never know what that, by the way, that's so subjective. Like how the fuck do you even judge that? There was a marketing gimmick that they created because they had to have some number of pain to attribute the prescription of Oxycontin to for doctors. And so they created that from a marketing ploy. And now it's in every fucking doctor's office in America. And you get it for fucking dentist, dental work. What's the pain? What's the pain in your root canal? Oh, four. I don't know. Fucking what's a, what's a six? Yeah. Uh, like, 10 feels like you got blasted in the face with a shotgun. Right. Uh, oh, okay. it's not that. So it's probably. A <laughs> okay. Two. Well, I, that one time that happened to me, that was pretty bad. Yeah. It's not that bad. Yeah. <laughs> that was created by these fucks like 
Yeah. So, so yeah, but, but it's still, it's still prescribed today. Um, hmm. Man. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Beth recognized this thing in, in one of the early episodes uh, and then we can move on to something else. But there's this point where they're talking about breakthrough pain and all of their, all of the salespeople are coming around and they're like, are you so what's happening is a lot of these patients are coming back to the doctors and saying, Hey doc, this thing, this thing says 12 hours. It says it's supposed to four hours in, into my sleep. I'm waking up cause I'm back in pain. Mm -hmm. So these doctors start explaining these scenarios to their salespeople. Mm -hmm. And their salespeople are going back to the execs and the marketing teams and whatnot within Purdue and the execs and the marketing teams develop this new thing called breakthrough pain. And they create this thing out of thin air called breakthrough pain, another marketing gimmick and start pitching it as breakthrough pain is a real pain. It's like a phantom pain. And the solution to breakthrough pain is more oxy. And so now you see all these doctors as, as they're getting sold and they're like, I went through med school. I did this. I've never heard of breakthrough pain and oh no, breakthrough pain. We just, we just recently, it's a, it's a new phenomenon here. they handing out like one pagers and pamphlets and all that. And it's talking about breakthrough pain and doc's like, okay, breakthrough pain. So we're going to up the dose from 40 milligrams to 80 milligrams. And now you see them giving 80 milligrams to the patients and, and then, the, and these are you know, 17 year old coal workers are now popping 80 milligrams of oxy because their back hurts. Breakthrough pain. Yeah. And Beth, Beth looks at me and goes, so, uh, you Google breakthrough pain. Sure enough. It talks about how this was a, a marketing scheme developed by, uh, Purdue Pharma, yada, yada. Beth says, what does breakthrough pain say? Sound like. And I said, I breakthrough pain. She goes breakthrough cases. Like you should go get the booster to block you from breakthrough cases. I know when you said earlier, that's so funny when you said earlier about like these, like basically making up all of this crap and going to the FDA and like, you know, paying them off. I go, huh, that sounds vaguely familiar. You know, something like maybe that's happening with another P pharmaceutical company. Correct. Beep, 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 beep. Uh, just to note, this podcast may contain COVID, <laughs> COVID misinformation. Oopsie. Don't sue me or don't, whatever. Don't kick me off Spotify. Don't. Um, I'll take my whole catalog off Spotify. <laughs> our whole 35 episodes. It's a huge loss. But yeah, man. I don't know. The whole... I mean, and I'm sure there's other drugs. I'm sure we'll set at some point find out like, yes, the opioid epidemic has been huge. And and I realize it's been a big problem. I'm sure there's probably a, there's this whole, that whole conspiracy theory too around like there are diseases or, you know, infections or things like uh, one that you hear about a lot is the herpes virus. Okay. You know, that you, they say you get it. It's fucking forever. But there's all these theories out there that people say oh, that thing can actually be cured. And the reason that it hasn't been is because there's too much money to be made on the medications to control it. So, uh, yeah, I've heard things like that. Yeah. And I wonder how many other things are out there like that. Yeah. I wonder. 
they, they, they reference in, in the show, a couple different, um, one was called like Tovoy or Tolavoy or something like that, but it was some drug in the eighties that went through a similar thing where, where it didn't have nearly the sweeping effects on society that Oxycontin did, mm-hmm. but it was a drug that was misprescribed or, 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 or mismanufactured or something like that. And they had to go through all these different label issues and, um, it, it, and yeah, it was similar, similar in, in, in concept, but, uh, I think there's probably drugs out there like SSRIs, I think will be a big one that comes out some point in time, you know, like, uh, what, what are those single serotonin reuptake inhibitors or whatever, mm-hmm. um, things they give basically like antidepressants. Right. And, mm-hmm. and, and they think those are misprescribed and you shouldn't be on them longer than six months at a time because it basically causes your body to stop making all of these different hormones that you require to function as a normal human being. And yeah, they've, I mean, those that's, that's an example where don't quote me on this, but again, misinformation, but I think the vast majority of people involved in that, that have committed like school shootings and mass shootings have been on SSRIs. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think I'm, I think I'm, I think I'm, I think it's like all but maybe one, if I remember right. Uh, hmm. But anyway, like I think, well, it, that's one where dive into that, figure out what the fuck's going on there. And we'll probably uncover that there's some sort of SSRI epidemic as well, right? Like maybe, maybe violent crime is increased because people aren't, I, I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I think you're. I think you're right. Like I think that I don't think OxyContin's the only one, but I'd be interested to see how egregious all of the other ones are. Like how many? Like obviously the pharmaceutical companies are just trying to make a buck, but are all of them as egregious behind the scenes? Are all of them as nasty behind the scenes, creating all of this propaganda and whatnot to push a drug that they know is responsible for? Like SSRIs, you could at least make the case that the vast majority of people on them are doing fine. We think, right? Oxycontin, it was pretty clear from day one that it fucked people right and left. But it was such a powerful drug in terms of painkilling, and it did work for such a short period of time that let's make some money on it, you know? Yeah. Hmm. Oh, yeah. I, 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 again, those are, and, and I think this, COVID thing has just shown a light on it even further is like these, I think everybody, regardless of whether or not you agree with the efficacy of the, um, you know, vaccine or whatever, this idea that like, now I've heard that they're trying to push through like a fourth booster for some people. And it's like, is this breakthrough cases? Yeah. And it's just like, and you know, and whatever, I don't, I, I don't, I'm so over this discussion at this point, but it's, is this just another freaking money grab thing or is there true like reason for medical it? research that shows there could be some value for like extreme cases where people really do run a like, you know, massively high risk of, of, you know, death should they catch COVID? Yeah. I, I don't, I mean, in that case, fine, but. I don't know. I think we talked about this in one of the, our, or maybe it was a conversation just you and I had. I don't remember if it was on the podcast or not, but like 
the the COVID COVID vaccine has been the most profitable uh, vaccine to ever be produced. I think Pfizer made like thirty two or thirty four billion dollars last year. Thirty four, yeah. They were and it's val- just like, their company was valued at forty billion before that, and had yeah. made a billion dollars each year, year over year. Yeah. And I understand they need to be paid for the work, and I know it doesn't. It's not free to produce this stuff, but right, right. It but just, at some point, it, it has to stop. You can't. Right. It just we, seems we can't a be little, taking four boosters every year. Yeah, there's some red take, flags there. I wouldn't take five flu shots every year. Like if it's right. one booster each year, maybe. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've said it before. I waited as long as I did for the vaccine. I, I took it in August because. I wouldn't necessarily get the flu shot every year. The only mm-hmm. reason I get the flu shot each year is because when I walk into my mother's house for Thanksgiving or Christmas, because I'm usually back for one of those holidays, her being a nurse, her best friend being a nurse, when I walk in, they grab me and stick me in the arm with the flu vaccination. I haven't. Right. I take that back once or twice in the last five years. I've got a flu vaccination when being at the doctor with Benton or Linden and they're like, we're going to give your kids. Do you want one? Okay. Yeah, fine. I have never gone and sought out the flu vaccination because I don't necessarily need the flu vaccination. I get it for Benton and Linden because the flu hurts little kids pretty bad. Same thing here. Like I, I don't think COVID is going to get me if it does, it does, but statistically it's not going to get me. So I wasn't, I wasn't, but no, Five of them a year. Guess who's not doing that? This guy. This guy. <laughs> Guess who has two thumbs and ain't doing that? This guy. Yeah. But, and then, but you know, here's the other thing. And this is, I'm, I'll be anxious to see what happens over the next few years. And then we you know, but like you're seeing a lot of like alternative medicine, air quotes, medicine come back into mainstream. Like, you know, they're doing like ketamine therapies now and they're doing a whole bunch of work on like, the effectiveness of like Iver- MDMA, <laughs> sure. MDMA on mental health. There's a whole bunch like ayahuasca, mushrooms, like microdosing and all of that. It'll be interesting to see where that goes because I'm sure somebody's going to find a fucking way to monetize it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the way that's we've already mushrooms are legal here for medicinal use or whatever. And same thing with. California um, and Oregon and Oregon. Right. And, and that's, I'm sure a lot of the people using them are doing so for appropriate research and purpose, but the people that do it really, really early like that are usually the ones that recognize that there is a monetary aspect to it. And they are trying to get ahead of the game because well, yeah, dude, it's no, it's no different than NFTs and Bitcoin and all that. The the earlier you are into it, the more money you make. Right. Right. But I mean, same thing. Look at medical medicinal marijuana was a thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm and I guarantee you, there were plenty of lobbyists in Washington trying to fight for this idea that again, we still don't have like, national uh legalization of marijuana we have it's at the state levels but you don't think that there's state lobbyists pushing against it being like no there's money to be made here from some like oh, yeah. medical purpose i was gonna say there still are yeah to this yeah. day so i don't know i saw i actually on instagram a couple of days ago i saw that there is now you can buy like this little packet 
of like it's like a pre-dosed microdose that like comes pre-packaged that you can buy of mushrooms yeah it's not but i don't know it looks like a gummy where there just must be like psilocybin in it mm-hmm. <clears throat> and it's just like i mean there you go it's so oh, fucking yeah. and it's so stupid because ne- like Everybody that's done it in the past knows it's like, oh, you just go get that and take it yourself. Fuck going to a goddamn fucking doctor for this. You don't right. need that. Right. What's what'll be interesting is to see the. the Amsterdam, widespread, you can buy mushrooms in the in a store, the widespread effects. Yeah, you can. But I haven't read the book yet, but there's a book called San Francisco that I want to that I that I that I've got. Um and it, and it ties it's all about the homeless epidemic within San Francisco and a mm-hmm. lot of like Seattle and, and a lot of kind of liberal run cities, which is and, and it's written by a, a, a liberal dude. Um, but one of the big one of the one of the main points of the book is he draws the parallels between. Maybe doesn't draw the parallels. He covers extensively what Portugal did because a lot of people and and kind of like Amsterdam, a lot of people will reference Portugal when talking about drug epidemics and drug problems because Portugal initiated these implemented this this kind of widespread like it's legal throughout everywhere. They legalized basically legalized everything and said, you do mm-hmm. what you want to do. Very libertarian. Mm-hmm. And he covers it. And, and I don't know the facts because I haven't I haven't read the book, but apparently the regulations and things within Portugal are actually much, much, it's kind of like the Scandinavian uh, when people reference Denmark and all of these Scandinavian countries as like social socialist countries. It's like, no, they're they're actually highly capitalist. They just have some socialist policies, right? Mm -hmm. They're not, they're by no means socialist countries, Portugal. It drugs are legal across the board, but they're very, very, very regulated. Like if you're going to do heroin, you go and you sit in this chair and people watch you for six hours while you're on heroin. They and it's been tested and they don't they have, administer yeah, the dosage. Right. They do this. It's not like it's a clean oh, you can needle. Just use, right. They're right. not worried that it has some of that fucking other. What's the other stuff that kills people? Fentanyl. Fentanyl. In it, yeah. Or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's not it's the it's same not thing. Like, yeah, and it's the same thing at Amsterdam. Like we did mushrooms in Amsterdam when we were there. And it's like, it, dude, it's it's very it was fascinating to me because it was very much like going to like a, a dispensary here in the States. It's like they have a list of all of the different types of mushrooms they sell, and they tell you like it's gonna give you it's a body high, it's a mind high. There's like you're gonna get visuals Crazy with laughter. this one, and this one you won't. Right, exactly. And that's fascinating to me because, you know, you and I both know from years of recreational mushroom use that it's like, it's kind of a shit shoot. You just got to hope for the best and hope God you don't have a fucking panic attack and freak out, right? which we Ho- both have been through. This one is so, going to give you horrend- induce horrendous <laughs> vomiting. <laughs> this one will have you curled up in a ball in your bedroom <laughs> praying for death. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so like to me, that's fascinating. And, you know. I don't understand why we just, again, I understand that there are maybe archaic ways of thinking, ways of thinking that have been instilled in us because, you know, the whole story of like psychedelics, for example, like in the sixties, there was government was just dumping boatloads of money into research on this stuff. And then it was essentially one guy took it too far. 
that the government let have a little bit too much freedom with. He started hosting these huge parties and like using the government issued drugs to like more or less party with people who could afford to party with him and get the drugs. And that was both MDMA and psilocybin and all that. And then they were like, okay, this clearly is going to get out of hand. It makes people crazy. Shut it down completely, you know, locked it down and it's like no more. So it's taken, you know, 60 years for us, you know, quite almost 60 years for us to start exploring the true benefits of this. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens. And I mean, you've heard the other fascinating one to me is ayahuasca, like the change, like the positives that I've heard just from those experiences alone. And it's like, man, maybe if there is ways like, you know, we, instead of giving people all of these, you know, antidepressants, anti-anxiety medications that you have to be on for God knows how long they're very difficult to come off of, you know, it scares people to come off of them. Some people feel like they're never going to be able to live without them. What if it was just a few of these kinds of treatments, you know, done correctly in the right environment with the right people. And you could basically reset a lot of these concerns, like whether it's PTSD or, 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 you know, chronic depression or, you know, whatever. I think just, that's fascinating to me that it's out there. Yeah. I don't well, know. And, <clears throat> excuse me. Excuse me. From, from, I've only got one anecdote, anecdote, one example, <laughs> whatever. Uh, whatever dude. Ooh. Um, I've got a, I've got a, a kid I know that I used to work with. It's not, it's not just mental things, right? From, from the example I'm going to give is not a, is not a mental, uh, boy, my brain is, <clears throat> my we're just crushing it today. Speak, just speaking, on of it. Mental, speaking of mental things, <laughs> dude, my, I think you need some, some kind of ketamine therapy or something. I need some ayahuasca. <laughs> I used to, I worked with a kid uh probably 10ish years ago in like a freelance realm so so we both we were both freelancers working for this company and he for 6 months was having all of these gut issues mm-hmm. and he was in and out of doctors being evaluated for crohn's being polyps like all these different gut issues and somehow or another he discovered that ayahuasca trips can have some effect on like your your microbiome and your gut, right? So that's what I'm yeah, saying. It's it, not only it can possibly because apparently a pretty normal occurrence in those experiences is either you vomit or shit yourself. You so just maybe vomit that's... all over the place. So <laughs> he took this trip down to Peru and did this whole shaman experience in ayahuasca yeah, for like four, so cool. four or five days. And I'm working one morning shortly after this, and the guy I worked for, his name was Gabe. And we're, we're messaging back and forth in base camp. And I'm like, Gabe, so what's going on? Where's so-and-so? And he says, oh, uh, he's not coming back to work. And I said, wait, wait, wait. He's Do we have another engineer? He said, I've I got a couple in the pipeline. He is staying down in Peru. He is so forever changed. His gut and everything is perfect. His mind is like he, he is he is now training to become a shaman. And as far as I know, he's still he's still down there. Uh, he did yeah. not move. He did not move back to Chicago. He <laughs> completely, completely changed, but fixed all of his gut issues. Yeah. So I mean, everything I, I've heard plenty of stories of of like on podcasts and stuff, of people talking about their experiences. And it's 
almost solely positive. Yeah. I mean, outside of a couple of the like negative experiences early on, like taking it and some of like the way your body may react, then it can be scary. But generally people walk away with a very, very positive uh, outlook and like just experience in, in whole. So I don't know. I'm fat. I think it'll be interesting to see like how this gets kind of folded into like zeitgeist and like what's acceptable to do and, and all the different ways you can ex- like, I guess things you can explore to fix these problems. I would rather do that a few times and get the same result as being on a fucking pill every single day for God knows how long. But again, totally you hear that. But then I think there's also people like, this is just how we're convinced as a society that like, well, a pill that has some impact on like the chemicals in your brain is completely acceptable, but just one experience that may last a couple of hours. that's very extreme seems absolutely unacceptable. That's just so crazy to me. Like why is, cause a lot of people you hear like, well, I don't want to have, I don't want to be disconnected from like, control like yes. like a lot of people have problems with that like i don't want to lose that type of control over myself mm-hmm. what's well, what do you think this drug is doing it's disconnecting you from some version of control you're just not aware of it happening and it's happening in minor minor increments minor minor yes that's that's one of the things that that oxy does oxy rewires your brain patterns and your brain receptors and, and neuro neurotransmitters whatever that's why it's so hard to come off of like yeah. that's why if you're on it for extended periods of time, your brain is literally in a different structure, a different chemical makeup, a different, right. It, it's well, yeah, cause doesn't it, doesn't it get your, like, it's basically just, it's like forcing your body to release substantial amounts of dopamine and serotonin, right? Like it's giving you a hit just like it would if you were to smoke a cigarette or anything else. It's, yeah, it's that whole, like, uh, you yeah, know, I don't, I don't know what the, or whatever. I don't know what the hormones are, but but yes, yeah. And therefore your body just starts doing it in a different way. And therefore, so yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know why. I mean, obviously there's a big part from the pharmaceutical companies because they haven't figured out how to monetize ayahuasca. And or know that you can get ayahuasca anywhere, and therefore they won't be able to monetize ayahuasca right. because you don't have to have a medical. Yeah, it's not a chemical makeup, even though they'll find some way to make it in a lab, just like anything totally. else. Totally, like they so, do with DMT and stuff. So there's yeah, there's there's something there's something there, but but societally, like why my mom and dad, who have no tie to the pharmaceutical industry seriously frown upon any sort of psilocybin use or anything you bring the same conversation up to them no no give me the pills you know my my father's on 11 different pills and it's like dad you know you know if you just eat a little healthier and walk a few times a day you can get rid of a lot of these pills nope doctor says i need these i my doctor he's told me that i need this one for this and this one for this and this Got it, dude. All right. Yeah. Why do why don't the rest of the population need eleven pills? Are you chemically just so superior from a <laughs> genealogical standpoint that you need these eleven fucking what? You know? Yeah. Figure it out. Figure it out. Well, that was a big thing with like cholesterol too for a long time. People were t- uh, what was that? Statins, like. Mm-hmm. If you even had a slightly elevated cholesterol, it's like, oh, you got to get on statins. It's like, well, 
how about you try to teach them maybe how to reduce some saturated fat out of their diet, maybe get a little exercise, start there for some a little long-term like effectiveness as opposed to here, just take this medicine, but go ahead and eat McDonald's five times a week, you fat right. fuck. Right. Yeah. I had really, really, really high LDLs and lipids, which I believe I can't speak to the LDLs, but the lipids are a direct result of not enough cardio. Like this was back, this was probably six, seven years ago where all I did was like weight training and, 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 mm-hmm. uh, which you can tell because I'm just jacked. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but my doctor in San Francisco is like, you, you got really high LDLs. And I was like, okay, or, or lipids. And I'm like, I don't know. I, no, not lipids, triglycerides. That's what it was. Triglycerides. Okay. And I'm like, I don't, well, you need to start doing cardio a little bit. So I started doing cardio and hiking around. Like I didn't know, I didn't know it at the the time, but rucksacking, you know, where you put some fucking Mm -hmm. things in a bag and go, and and I'm walking up and down. Yeah. Walking up and down San Francisco Hills and things like that. Now running a mile a day, I go get my triglycerides tested once every quarter. They're non-existent. They're not even in guess what hasn't changed my diet, the amount of alcohol I drink, like, but I exercise in a cardiovascular form and guess what? No triglycerides. So, yeah. So yeah. They say it all the time though. People that, that constantly like weight train and all that, while it's very good for you, especially as you age, it's, it's very important to maintain some type of muscle mass. So like, yeah, like, more or less protection. Yeah. So you can, you know, not break a hip walking downstairs, stuff like that. But yeah, it's the problem is, is in younger, I think younger people specifically, you tend to see, you know, they're chasing this like specific body style or what have you. And so it's constant weight training. And I think, again, this is a spectrum that we're talking on because there's a difference of people that are going in and weight training, especially like, uh, like bodybuilders who are doing massive amounts of weight, but then they have these 10 minute rests in between every set. And there are physique people who that type of weight training, there is a cardio aspect because it's a lot of like a constant movement and you're sweating your ass off. But you know, the suggested amount of cardio per week for an like healthy adult is 150 minutes of your heart rate being at higher than 70% of your max heart rate. That's that's tough that's to a do. Lot. That's a lot. It's yeah. 150 minutes. That's a lot. Yeah. And then you think about it, 70 minutes, like one of the things I think they, they say is 70, if, if you're having a, if you're keeping your heart rate at above 70% of your, your, uh, max, that means you would be, you would be struggling essentially to be talking to somebody while doing it because you'd be out of breath. And I can tell you from years and years and years of weight training, it's rare that I'm like that. Right. Oh, very yeah. rare. Yeah. I would say almost non-existent. Well, whilst, yeah. I mean, there are days where, yeah, it gets like that, but it's, it's, it's few and far between. So yeah. yeah. But I mean, and then that's the, and the cardio piece is, you know, cardiovascular. It's that is the thing that's going to make your heart healthy. Right. You know, the weight training and all of that is good for a variety of other things. And I'm sure there's some benefit to cardiovascular health, but yeah, I don't know. Um, we just become need, fucking lazy. Oh, bull bullshit. Speaking of lazy, I need to take a short recess. 
I will be okay. b- back in two shakes. All right, folks, we're back. Had a quick little break there. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. Yes. Laziness. I said laziness, but I have a new topic. Fuck laziness. We're not going to fix that. Uh, laziness off the table. So, dude. So, Crossfire. okay. Crossfire. Remember, is that the game where you shoot the little balls across the board? Yes. Yes. That was a fucking great game. Great game. Speaking of like board a, games. It was like, a, it was like adult fucking uh, Hungry Hippos. Yeah. I remember. Man. When was the last time you played a board game? Like a legit board game? We played Sorry the other night. Yeah. I've got no kids, shit. dude. They love board oh, games. Yeah. I figured that would be like maybe the extreme, like the, like the extreme version of that would be maybe like shoots and ladders baller Cold. game, by the way, board game. I got the kids this one for Christmas called don't. Well, you remember the game? Don't break the ice. No, there was a game when we grew up. I don't remember exactly how it was played, but it, it was similar to this game. I got them, but this one's even better. It's it's Paw Patrol and Chase is sitting on a block of ice and it's just like, probably dinner dinner plate sized thing with all of these ice blocks that are crammed in like you have to flip it upside down and push them down into it and cramp they're they're held together by tension okay and chase sits in the middle and you've got this little mallet and you take turns rolling a die and whatever lands on that's what color you have to knock out and so you knock out these blocks and so sure enough, the more blocks you knock out, the more it starts to sag. And whoever is responsible for knocking out the one where they all fall loses the game. It's fucking awesome. It's so much it's fun. It's like an it's like a it's like a advanced version of Jenga. Yes. Yes. That's yeah. It's that's a good way to put it. It's a blast. Okay. Anyway. Huh. So anyway, okay. So I thought I felt like this might be fascinating for some of well, for you and then anybody that's listening to this, the six people that listen is Seven. so Lindsay, you know, is a CRNA, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. For those of you who don't know, that's like a fucking, I don't know. Anna, it's like a, basically a sort of like, she's a, basically a, like a, Anna's like a, <laughs> the fact that I don't know that is so sad. Lindsay, I'm sorry if you're listening. Certified r- registered nurse, nurse anesthetist. Yeah. Got it. Boom. But um, anyway, so what that essentially means, what those people do is they work under anesthesiologists generally, and they're the ones that sit with you in surgery. They're the ones that like give you, you know, your epidural when you're pregnant or they put you to sleep when you're getting surgery or they'll do like a nerve block if you're getting some procedure done or whatever. So they're the ones that basically, you know, provide you the medication to do whatever they need you to do during it. And then they monitor you throughout the procedure to make sure that you continue to breathe and that your heart's still working, et cetera. Anyway, so she knows a guy, whether through school or somebody she used to work with based in Dallas that works for an anesthesia clinic or anesthesiology clinic, like a CRNA group. Apparently like in some States, CRNAs have enough education that you don't actually have to work under an anesthesiologist. Like you can start your own practice and essentially provide those services to clinics, hospitals, et cetera, whatever. So Lindsay was telling me that this guy, smart dude, has been doing this a little bit longer than she has, but they are, he's part of this uh, CRNA group 
based in Dallas that have started doing these things called stellite ganglion blocks for the treatment of smell loss in COVID patients. Mm. So what essentially it does is so, okay, a Stella and I, so I didn't know what any of this meant and I've had to look at a lot of pictures and Lindsay's spent a lot of painstaking um, minutes explaining this to me to the best of her ability. But what it is, is apparently so a, like a ganglion is a like grouping of nerves. Okay. And you have these throughout your body. Well, the stellite ganglion is the one that sits. It's like sits on either side of your voice box. Like at like you're like in between your C6, C7 vertebrae. Okay. So okay. it's kind of like behind your esophagus, like a lot, like, like in between your esophagus and spine essentially. And it's basically a massive control center for your sympathetic nervous system that has to do with like your upper extremities, your arms, and then a lot of the things that happen in your face. Like they can, so like what happens, like if you get ill or if you have like a virus, like apparently like I was just reading this, but like herpes zosters, like if you're having a lot of problems, they can actually reset that ganglion block, which will then it basically calms it down like reduces swelling and it kind of allows it to more or less reset itself. Okay. Okay. So what they do is they go in with some anesthesia and they stick a needle into your, like right next to your esophagus into your neck. And then they put a little bit of anesthetic in that ganglion block. So it basically shuts it off, like deadens it. And it, it lasts, I, I, what I, from what I understand, it doesn't last that long. Like the procedure itself is 30 minutes, but it apparently like deadens that thing for approximately four to six hours. And Lindsay, if I'm wrong on any of this, sorry, come on here and tell us the correct information. But, and then as it comes kind of back online after the anesthesia wears off, it it's more or less given it time to kind of reset. And because it's so involved in a lot of like the, like nerve signals and stuff that's going up into your face that it will, it's giving people almost 100% of their like full smell back. They've treated people who have had, so there's, there's, and I'm going to forget the words here, but it's like pyrosomnia and I'm fucking these words up. There's one P word and one A word. The A word means complete and utter smell loss. Like you mm-hmm. can't smell anything. And then the other word is, I think it's called like py- pyrosomia or something like that. That's the one where you're having like altered senses of smells, which is what I have. So I have a little bit of smell loss, but my, the things that I struggle to smell or the, some of the things that I do smell is altered. It doesn't s- smell like it should, but these, this guy has done over 50 of these and he is seeing people that have had zero smell be treated in this one procedure 30 minutes and at the end of it like within an hour full smells again like 100 percent smell wow that's pretty legit yeah and so now there's all these other like so and it's a crna can do it because this is like a crna would do this they use it for a lot of other things they use it for um pain management and like the neck and all these things like so th- this, this is not a new procedure. It's been around. They just happened to figure out that this is also helping for people with these problems right. from COVID. And so, um, yeah, he, like, I think he's what Lindsay told me was the worst, um, 
response from the procedure that he's seen was one woman that had complete paralysis. Utter, uh, like, yeah, complete and utter smell loss. They did it and it got her back to like 50, 55% of smell. That was the worst result he's gotten so far. Jesus. And huh. you would think if you don't have any smell and you can get 50% of it back at that point, but most people are, you know, somewhere where they don't have complete loss of smell. They have some version of like a little bit of loss, a little bit of altered smell, and they're getting it all the way back up to like back to normal again. So dude, hmm. I'm flying to Dallas to get this done. Like actually? Yeah. When? Like you've, are you all set up? I just need to, to I need to talk to him and see when, he, when he's available and I'm just going to fly out in the morning, get it done and fly home. Anosmia and par- parosmia, parosmia. Para, yeah. I don't know how to say. I don't know how parosmia, to say. Parosmia, I think is how parosmia. it's pronounced. Anosmia, yeah. Anosmia and parosmia. Yeah, that's sick. I'm gonna. Isn't I'm gonna, that fascinating? What do you call it? Ganglion barge. A stellate, stellate ganglion block. So S T E L L A T E, and then ganglion, G A N G L I O N. They do it for PTSD. It looks like too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude. There's a lot of things like. When, when Lindsay was explaining it to me, um, she's like, this thing is like sh- shingles pain is another thing they use it for. Like if you have shingles on your face, they can use it to stop shingles pain or like alleviate shingles pain. So stellate ganglion uh, block reduces symptoms of long COVID. PubMed so, and NCBI. NIH. Yeah. So there's doing a lot of these tests. And so this guy and it's like it's like. 300 bucks. I'm like $300. If it doesn't work, I'm out 300 bucks. Who gives a shit? If it does work, that was well worth the money. This seems to say this white paper on the NIH, like reboots the nervous system. So it can fix a lot of like, not just smell like the entire intolerance, fatigue, orthostatic, yeah, dude, I'm going to be basically brain, fucking Superman coming fog. back from this bitch. God, I need all of it. I wonder if we'll discover that you just do this once every six months. And it's like, <laughs> you're, fine. Four, you're 14 again. <laughs> huh. But yeah, so apparently like the only like the the most like extreme, I, of course, I'm asking. It's like, Okay. What side effects do I need to be concerned about that will then possibly trump whatever lack of smell I have? Like, am I going to, I don't know, stroke out on one side of my face, have droop face for the rest of my life? Apparently, there are some weird, like, short-term things. Like, you can have, like, droopy eyelids and shit. (laughs) But apparently, it's they're usually, um, like, short-term. Like, within uh, eight hours after the procedure, they go away. and any like severe side effects are very, very rare and uncommon. And that would usually be because they like stick something they shouldn't with that needle. I'm looking at this, this chart. <laughs> and I'm going to get one. one for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> this woman, I mean, I've got like light lung issues and oxygen issues, I think, since chest pain. Since mm-hmm. But I'm looking at. They did this to this. I'm looking at this study. 42 year old female who recovered from a non critical course of COVID with low oxygen saturation fatigue, anosmia, dysgeisia, presented our clinic eight months after onset of illness. After recovering from acute illness, she continued to experience debilitating fatigue, mental fogginess, difficulty concentrating, elevated resting heart rate, sleep disturbance, lack of appetite, and food aversion. 
Like that's that's me. Um, mm-hmm. Unpalatability of food led to a thirty pound weight loss. She lost her job. Yada yada yada. She was given one of these things, and they monitored for her for sixty days. Mm-hmm. There's this chart that shows pre-COVID, like all of these different symptoms: fatigue, chest pain, memory or concentration issues. Pre-COVID, post-COVID, one day post-treatment, seven days post-treatment, and 60 days post-treatment. Almost all of them are significantly decreased. There are Mm -hmm. a lot of them that's like her sleep problems pre-COVID were high, and then post-COVID, they jumped through the roof. One day post-treatment, it's the same. Two months post-treatment, it's on the symptom intensity, it goes from an eight pre-COVID to a two post two months, 60 days post-treatment. Wow. Yeah, this thing says like, like because they also use it for the treatment of PTSD. And it says, um, patients often feel a reduction in anxiety the day of the procedure with significant reduction, irritability, intrusive thoughts, panic attacks, and sleep disturbances for the weeks following the procedure, in the weeks following the procedure. Dude, I'm just going to be a whole new human being after just a fucking stellate ganglion block. <laughs> this is incredible. I know. Muscle muscle pain and headache, eight. Pre-COVID, nine. Post-COVID, one day later after treatment, four. Seven days, four. 60 days, two. Memory or concentration issues, that's one that you want to look out for. One pre-COVID, eight post-COVID, post-hoc, ergo (laughs) proctor-hoc, two 60 days later. So that's the only one where there's an increase. Memory or concentration issues. That one seems like it's potentially an... And which one's that? Uh, memory and concentration issues that one seems like possibly that one was hard to evaluate because she was back to where she was pre-covid after seven days but then bumped up one level of intensity two months later so whereas the the other ones are like there's significant significant difference so i wonder if that one is just harder for her to evaluate to herself yeah so I don't know, man, it sounds pretty fascinating. And like I said, this guy has done well over 50 of these and has had like e- extreme success so far. So like I said, 300 bucks plus a flight. I just, I don't see the downside really. This is great. Like they've got a, they've got a couple other, they've got one other woman, 44 year old woman. Hers are like off the charts better. She's yeah. at a 10 across the board post COVID for all of these things. And then at like a one or a two or even a zero for most all of them post treatment. Yeah. So that's yeah, man, interesting. When I do it, I'll let I'll uh, we'll definitely talk about it and I can report back for anybody that's struggling. But uh, let me know when you're going and I'll make a trip with you and we'll go both do Stella. We'll just get it blocks. done. Yeah. yeah. Why not? Fuck it. But I mean, what's the worst that could happen? I'm not excited about a shot into my throat, but hey, whatever. But I've heard like they they give you a little bit of local anesthetic to deaden it. And then 
I, I'm, I'm assuming they use some type of like machine, like a, like a, what is it called for when they look at babies before they're born? Ultrasound. It's called a what? Ultrasound. ultrasound. Like it's some kind of ultrasound machine, like so they can see where the needle's going because they want to put it in between like the right, uh, you know, like in the right area, essentially between like the right um, vertebrae yeah. to like get it there. But yeah. I mean, yeah, dude, isn't it fascinating? Like one, I didn't know anything like this ever even existed to begin with, but the fact that they now are finding that this is solving or curing or not, or alleviating to some degree problems with COVID. It's just like, wow. Yeah. It's fascinating. Yeah. Um, stellate ganglion block wow stellate ganglion I'm block. very intri- i'm very intrigued by this now yeah so i'm gonna try to i'm gonna um try to hopefully go sometime here in the next month just to knock it out get it done huh. so yeah man and then i'm be my sniffer is gonna be back online god how key is that dude i'm gonna tell my mom about this and see is she struggling um, with it Oh yeah, she's she's completely void of she she gets weird smells here and there. She it sounds like she's kind of like you. Like most of hers is pretty gone, but she walks. She said that every day in her basement, she smells immense, immense, immense amounts of cinnamon, and there's no cinnamon in her basement. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What I think it is is, I think she's. I have. I haven't been able to like, I don't, I haven't asked her this, but her, her dogs, she's got a lot of dogs and her basement is where the dogs you hang like out dags, most of the times. You? you like dags. So her basement <laughs> is a little doggy smelling. Okay. And I wonder if, so I want, I want her to like pick up the dog and just like huff the smell dog and see, and see if she gets cinnamon smell because it's like, I wonder if the dog smell is actually well, see, cinnamon. If, if that's her problem, she is one of the lucky ones because I can promise you the things where my smell is altered, it's not a it's not altered it's a to pleasant. a positive state. No, it's altered to a negative. It's so okay. Here's how I there is whatever type of gas is off put when you cook eggs. You know that weird like chemically it's it smells more chemical to me i think now but you know how when you cook eggs in a house and then you walk in like let's say you go visit somebody that just got done cooking hard-boiled eggs in their home and then like de-shelled them all and it's almost like that weird kind of yeah yeah. that's almost all of the weird disturbances in my smells are kind of that smell so you just smell butthole all the time (laughs) (laughs) actually i might actually rather smell butthole at this point (laughs) but it's yeah it's it's kind of gross like my cousin my aunt was telling me that she has this weird thing that happens where she gets it's a taste problem for her where she has this really metallic metally taste on the back of her tongue that will get so bad some days that she can't get out of bed because it just makes her vomit all day. Jesus. Yeah. I'm like, that sounds brutal. I'd cut my tongue off. I think. Huh? I'm but very yeah, I mean, this thing, this thing is fucked. Like what it's, and it's, it's weird that we still don't a hundred percent know what happened. Yeah. 
Where to get stellate ganglion block procedure? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure there's probably a place to do this anywhere. I'm just going to this guy because Lindsay knows him well and yeah. he's been doing them. That's the only reason I'm going to this guy. That's why it's like worth the flight for me. Yeah. Oh, there's a whole Ask company. Him. There's a whole company down in Lone Tree. It's called Stella. Stella Stellate Ganglion Block. Um, yeah. So, dude, you should look into in, it. Or dual just injection at C6 and C4 or C3. Single injection at C6. Yeah. So, dude, if you, you should either go find somebody if you want to do it or just roll with me to Dallas and then we can make a freaking trip of it. Dr. Drew Trainer. Uh... This episode is brought to you by Stellet Ganglion Blocks. <laughs> are, I, you, uh, are you struggling from long-term COVID? <laughs> I'm problems? serious. I might come to Denver with you if it's if it's reasonable Dallas? enough for me to. Or that's whatever you know my truth. Yeah, uh, <laughs> my truth. Because I would like to see what this does for my chest and uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, if you'd like, like once, just, once I get in touch with him, um, I'm happy to give you his number and I'm sure he would, uh, provide some additional info that would be helpful. But yeah, man, yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited to try it. Yeah. Hopefully nothing too bad happens, but yeah. I'm gonna have to read about side effects. Yeah. See, that's where you and I differ. I don't want to know any of the horrible ones. I'm going to pretend like there's none and go into this full of hope. The incidence of severe, severe complications was 1.7 in 1,000 blockades. Most of these were CNS complications, for example, convulsions. What is, what is CNS? Convulsion, some something to do with like convulsions, CNS, oh. um, central nervous system. I'm guessing. Oh, yeah, that doesn't sound great. Huh. All right. Well, yeah, dude. Nine, nine minutes before schedule. Might as well wrap it on the Stellet Ganglion block. It was it was one eleven and eleven seconds. I mean, we could have we could have we could have fucking edited it on Wednesday. <laughs> Wednesday, get the fuck out of here. Did you get that text I sent you last night? Yeah. Uh, I bet that paperwork was altered because that's bullshit. What? What was bullshit? That that child was born on two t February twenty second two thousand twenty two at two twenty two a.m. It's like okay, was it actually though? Really? Why not? Well, it could be, but it's like oh, it was born at two twenty one, but we'll put down two twenty two. Um, the fact that there are four hundred thousand babies born every day, I bet one of them landed on 222 okay tough to argue that point dual 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 there's four thousand babies born a day isn't that fucking crazy just mad fucking going on there's the population increases without death one million people every three days every two and like Two thirds days. But you're saying, okay, that's not bringing in the fact that how many people, people are dying a day. Right, right, right. Are we at a balance or is there less people dying? I think currently we are at a, uh, what's the word? Symbiosis. 
No. <laughs> I don't know. Excess. Uh, Excess of, of folks coming in. Die each day. 150,000 people die. Okay, so we're on a ma- major, major excess of people coming in. Major, major excess. Yeah, we got 250,000 new people a day. That's a problem. That's 1 million every four. That's a yeah, problem. Yeah, it's a huge problem. But it's huh. only slated to be that way for like another 20 years. And then I think it's supposed to tip. And well, yeah, isn't to- there like that's the big thing about like all these countries, not like people aren't getting pregnant as often and waiting longer and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Yeah, I think that that's family that's sizes are of, smaller. I think that's part of education. Like more educated women tend to have less babies. So that's a that's a positive like that's a symptom of that. Um, I mean, honestly, how many how many families do you know today that have like four or five kids? It's, I don't two. hear that. Yeah, I don't yeah. know that many. But yeah. back back in the 60s, 50s and 60s. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we had seven children because we rolled the dice and f- possibly we were going to lose three at some point. I think it's less, though, the fact that people are having more and more kids, I think, or less and less kids. I think it's more that we're going to get the baby boomers catching up, right? Like the 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 generation before the baby boomers were small, was small. Right. And then, and then baby boomers. And you're going to see like, a lot more of like a like a, a lot more people dying. Mm-hmm. And so it'll it'll balance out. Yeah. And then our generation's bigger than the baby boomers. So it's like then death is going to speed up exponentially at that point in time. And so. Yeah. What are, what are, what are the estimates that the world will peak at 9 billion? So that's only like 2 billion more people. And it will never eclipse that based on death rates. Unless people huh. just like start going ham on. Right. Making, which just isn't going to happen. It's not going to happen. Right. Uh, unless there's some huh. sort of like mass extinction event and we have to repopulate the world. At which point in time, we'll never hit 9 billion again. So Right. Yeah, I was going to say, we're starting from a very low number again. Yeah. I think that's what I've read, 9 billion. Huh. Man, that's crazy. That's crazy. I wonder what, like, there's got to be a number, like a, like a critical mass number, where, like, at that point, like, the world just cannot, like, our our planet can no longer sustain with this number or higher people for any extended period of time. It's just impossible to do. Like we're going to deplete our resources too fast and it's all downhill. Arguably we could be there now. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. And we've got plenty of food. Um, Well, water, water questionable. Well, we, we've got such a surplus of food that the entire world has a surplus of food. It's just, I know, but yeah, that's a problem. Well, depending. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> what I mean by that is like we are doing things to like, like, like uh, what's his name with the wells and and the pygmy pygmies. I forget his I forget his name. The UFC fighter who uh, he has a program called um, Fight for the Forgotten and he builds wells. Umaro Kusman? No. Uh, Jay, Jason, Jason, Jason. Anyway, he builds wells for the pygmies. And like, so there's, there's plenty. I mean, we help out with agriculture over there and the more we educate them, just like the more we've educated other countries, um, the more it brings them out of poverty and gets them producing food and yeah, that, all in, all in, all in good time. Yeah. Give a man to fish, he'll eat for a day. He'll, he'll Teach eat a man a to day. fish. <laughs> 
fight for I just the, I just came up with that. <laughs> Justin Justin Wren. Justin Wren. Oh, okay. The guy's a beast, dude. Yeah. All right. I'm a big fan of Stylebender now. Follow oh, dude, you, fucking Izzy's like he's probably yeah. my number two. I think Maybe I follow him on. I fucking, I love. He seems Iz. like the most down to earth, like legit human he's being there so is. So legit. He's so legit. Yeah, I follow him on Instagram now, and it's just like, God, this guy is great. Yeah, he's and he sick. just talks mad shit too, which I love. Yeah, but I like him. All right, dude. Well, this has been a fun one. You and I both have meetings in three. I'm gonna go make more coffee. All right. Try to build up we the will, anxiety. Uh, we possibly, very possibly, have a very exciting pod coming up, potentially. Possibly. Fingers Which crossed. We're not going to tell you anything because we might not have it. So, But if we do, you'll know. It's going to be fascinating, I think. For sure. For sure. Yeah. All right, Pevin. I love you, man. Have a good day right. today. Love you, too. All right. Peace. Peace. And that's a wrap, ladies and gentlemen, for this week's episode. Hope you guys enjoyed. Please don't forget to download and subscribe to Inexpert Opinions in your favorite podcast app. And uh, you'd be doing us a huge favor if you gave us a five-star rating. That helps us grow. Growing's good. Everything needs to grow, including Inexpert Opinions. We're trying to blow this thing up, y'all. So, uh, yeah, rate us. We love you. Thanks again for listening. Bye-bye. Shut up. And sit down.